Welcome to Deep in Dizziness, the show that explores the latest information, treatment, and techniques that provide hope to those suffering from dizziness, vertigo, and balance problems. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Brooke Pierce and Dr. Chelsea Nava. Hello, and welcome back to our podcast, Deep in Dizziness. My name is Dr. Pierce, alongside Dr. Nava here. We specialize in leading vestibular diagnostic testing and therapeutic techniques. Today's show is very exciting. We have Megan Howard on the show today. Megan actually leads digital strategy for Migraine Again. Their focus is an online audience in development with community engagement. Megan brings over 15 years of experience in product marketing content and community as a strategist, advisor to fast-growing startups, digital media businesses, and nonprofits. Prior to working with Migraine Again, Megan served as a product and marketing executive. She's done all kinds of wonderful things, and she began her career in digital consulting um, with a lot of different medical groups. So Megan now serves as the social media lead for the Migraine World Summit. They feature 30 world-class experts on, or excuse me, different world-class experts on migraine, headache, health, and wellness. She is a migraine sufferer herself turned migraine warrior, and we are thrilled to have her on the show today to give us some insight and share some stories. Welcome, Megan. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm pretty good today. All right. It's only slightly dizzy today. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Well, good thing you're here. Okay. So, Megan, we hear that you're a migraine sufferer turned migraine warrior. Can you fill us in on your story and how you became a migraine warrior? Yes, of course. Well, it's been a long and winding road. I I call it a rocky road. Um, Eight years ago, I came back from a trip to Europe. And the day after I landed back in New York City, where I was living at the time, I went straight back to work and I started experiencing all of these very disturbing symptoms. I had um, tremendous pressure in the right side of my head and my balance was really off. And it felt like I was listing to one side, like if you were on a sailboat and you're trying to fight against um, the way the boat tips. And so, you know, I was getting over a cold from the trip and I thought maybe I was just jet lagged or had a virus, but after a few days, I was concerned enough to go into urgent care. Um, And it was a big deal because I generally had avoided doctors in the past. Um, But that trip to urgent care really started a bewildering five-month journey where I bounced from specialist to specialist, and they considered a number of different diagnoses um, and did countless tests. Um, And by the end, I was really, really falling apart, both personally and professionally, and having a difficult time getting answers. But in my research, I stumbled upon um, Dr. Timothy Hayne. I don't know if you have heard of him, we but yep. he, I, I kind of consider him the godfather of um, vestibular migraine. And he, he described on his website two vestibular disorders that sounded like they could be a fit for what I was experiencing. So we finally got a referral to a neurologist in New York who specialized in balance disorders. And she looked at all my paperwork and she diagnosed me that day, not with vestibular migraine, but with something called mal de syndrome. 
Um, and I had been experiencing migraine attacks, but they really came in the form of extreme dizziness and um, also head pain at that time. So maldodebarkment, for those of uh, your listeners who don't know, is this neurological disorder where after you get off a boat or a plane or a train, you never quite get your land legs back. You feel like you are rocking or bobbing or swaying forever. And it's the kind of torture you really can't fathom until you experience it for yourself. Um, I'm sure you've seen patients with this at your clinic. So um, when I saw this doctor, what's interesting is she said she had a treatment for maldedebarkment. And if I was willing to engage in this research study, um, I would immediately feel better. And at this point, I was desperate. And I asked, was it invasive? And she said no. So I went for it. Um, and the setup for this ther therapy was really wacky. Um, it, so there was a PhD in a lab who had all sorts of wires and um, ways to measure your balance and your eye movements. And he put me through his treatment protocol. Um, and uh, you know, I am the ultimate skeptic, but it really gave me a sense of tangible relief right away. Um, I had been for months relying on people's arms or railings to navigate my way through New York City, and I came out of that treatment, once I got my bearings, um, with an improved gait, that head pressure went away immediately, and I honestly skipped my way through Central Park. I was so happy. But the, the follow-ups were less promising. I still had these residual symptoms. Um, this pulsating feeling on the right side of my head and dizziness and brain fog that just wouldn't resolve. And when I went back to the uh, scientist who gave me the treatment protocol for MDD, he said, you know what, I think you have migraine and you need to go back for treatment. So I did that, and but I was really unwilling to get prescription medications because I had been so sensitive to um, some trials I had done in the past and I thought lifestyle changes um, would help resolve my symptoms and unfortunately they didn't. So um, I took a desperate measure. I moved cross country to Southern California to see if a change in weather and environment would cure me. Um, it, it didn't, but it helped to be out, out of New York City. And then um, I was trialing meds out here when I ran across something called the Migraine World Summit. And that was a real turning point for me in terms of turning from a migraine sufferer to a migraine warrior. Uh, I started using some evidence-based supplements that were discussed in the summit, and they helped a little. And then I decided to volunteer for the summit in 2018 while I was going through another medication trial, this time for vestibular migraine. I did that, I did that volunteer project to distract me and give me a sense of purpose while I was waiting to see if the medication would kick in. Because as you know, these, these trials take forever. And the summit turned me into the warrior I am today by arming me with information and new treatment options to consider and a real community of people who get it, both the clinicians and the patients with kind of the lived experience of uh, migraine. And that's how I met Paula Dumas, 
who is the co-producer of the Migraine World Summit and also the CEO of Migraine Again. I think what's going to be first and for, um, or kind of on the forefront of a lot of our listeners' minds is the second you talked about getting in and doing a treatment protocol that helped with the, the symptoms of the veering and the listing and the dizziness, do you mind sharing what that was, what that looked like, and, and kind of what that first step was? Because it sounds like that initially started to give you a little bit of hope and, and relief. Yeah, so I didn't, I tried to capture all the steps that we went through, but the first thing he, uh, the, the scientist did is he had me close my eyes and walk in place. I believe that's called the Fukata test. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to understand how, um, I perceive my place in the world and where I'm off center. Mm-hmm. And then, um, that was, gave him a baseline to work from. Then he put me on a Nintendo Wii board, mm-hmm. which no joke was, I, I didn't realize that that would be part of the setup, but it was, it entertained me. Um, and I got on there and, um, stood in place. He observed, um, any imbalance that I was experiencing. And then he had my me close my eyes and do the same thing. Then he put on a pair of um, what I call goggles, where he could take a close look at my eyes and my eye movements as he rocked my head back and forth. And as he was doing this, he was coming up with a very bespoke treatment protocol um, that would address how I'm experiencing um, my particular form of dizziness and rocking. Um, The final step was to take all that information and create a pattern of lines that he cast up onto a wall in a circular room. These lines moved in a particular direction while he rocked my head back and forth in time. And the idea is that he was resetting something that had gone a little haywire in my brain called the vestibular ocular reflex. Um, so that's a lot of science and craziness that happened, but, um, he had been studying this for years and he had just organized this study and needed candidates. Um, and I'm so glad that I was able to step into that and receive that treatment. Um, now they offer it to several people across the country and throughout the world who can afford to make the trip to New York. Um, but really this is one of the few places in the world where you can get some sort of resolution for MDD. Um, so I was very fortunate to have met him and participated. That's amazing. And was that Dr. Dye in New York, or do you do you remember the name of the the clinician? It was the... it was Dr. Dye. Yeah. And you know, I yeah. um, in in kind of getting ready to speak with you today, I um, was checking back in with him because we were in touch and realized that he had passed away. Yeah. But he's a tremendous. Uh, a scientist and just a wonderful guy who understood the experience of a dizzy patient and was working hard to um, find a resolution for what people consider as a very rare disease and doesn't get a lot of attention. Which I think is pretty amazing and a lot of his protocols in, in a lot of research arenas have been shared and there's a lot of clinicians that are excited to really pick up on where he left off. So. I think with his work with with optokinetic exposure, which is what a lot of you know what you were getting with the the lights and the the movement in the room, um, it's amazing stuff. So it's pretty incredible that you were um, you know 
able to receive that firsthand. But just knowing that within the, the um, Dizzy community, there's a lot going on um, in clinics now and with patients and populations and research. So he really did some amazing stuff to kind of move things and, and catapult things along for um, a lot of, of Dizzy sufferers. So wonderful to hear um, that you, you know, have turned that corner, at least initially, now, what other kind of topics, now that you've moved through the, the dizzy piece, do you get approached by from, from migraine patients? What do most people that you're working with now wonder about or discuss with you? Yeah, there are two subjects that really no, never go out of style. Um, the first is, how do I get relief? So on migraine, again, we are always covering treatment options, whether they are pharmaceuticals, devices, lifestyle changes, diet supplements, et cetera. Um, and fortunately, we're in an era where there's so much new ground to cover with some of the new drug classes that are coming out specifically for migraine. Um, so we are trying to cover that as much as possible. And what we've found is that um, a lot of the information that we're sharing is news to some of our community's healthcare providers. So they are taking these articles and actually showing up at their GP or with their, um, to their neurologist and saying, what do you think of this? Um, and sometimes the neurologists and GPs haven't had a chance to digest that information through their professional programs and they're appreciative and can go back and do their own research and then um, figure out how it relates to uh, the patient's treatment plan. So that subject, never going out of style. How do I get relief? The second one is what I like to call, um, am I normal? So people really want to know mm -hmm. if what they're experiencing symptom-wise is due to migraine. And then once they can pinpoint it, then how best to manage it. And so on migraine, again, we do deep dives into individual symptoms that make up what I feel is a very complex disease. Um, I recently did a little inventory of symptoms related to migraine, and there's over 40. So um, there's no shortage of material there to cover. And from this vestibular migraine patients, I think what they really need um, is an articulation of their symptoms and experiences in relatable language, because it's so bizarre. Mm -hmm. And it's just not talked about in the public um, and I don't think physicians often have the vocabulary for it either, unless they're very specialized. Mm -hmm. um, so providing that language or description that people can relate to, and maybe even a small description of what's going on in the brain and the body is really powerful for migraine, uh, vestibular migraine patients. But there's still so much we don't know and physicians don't know that it's difficult to go too deep into the science. But a little science never hurts because people want to have a mental model for what's going on um, with their brain and body. Can you give us an example of the approach you use to educate these people with vestibular migraine? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, my basic uh, mandate is to raise awareness of vestibular migraine in general within the migraine advocacy community. They um, have been very focused on classic migraine, which presents with headaches. So um, it's important to share with people who are advocating hard for uh, people living with migraine to, to share with them what the vestibular migraine experience is like. 
Um, and so um, a couple ways that I've done that is um, working directly with the creators of uh, Migraine World Summit to make sure that we incorporate talks um, that address vestibular migraine. They did a wonderful one last year by um, Dr. Uh, Michael Tshedo that I just was so thrilled about. I reread the transcript um, last night and he just did a, a wonderful job explaining what we know and don't know and what that experience really is like for the patient and doctor. And then in terms of educating people through Migraine Again, I think we're really in the early stages. Now, when I joined Migraine Again, they had some very baseline content about vestibular migraine that you could find on uh, websites like Johns Hopkins, the, the VEDA website. And so I have encouraged um, my team to dig deeper on uh, certain topics that um, vestibular migraine patients want to know about but might not be as relevant to folks who um, have migraine with aura or more traditional migraine. Just a few weeks ago, I was explaining to my team, you know, they're, they're trying to advocate for access to alternatives to triptans, and they wanted my take on it. And I said, well, you know, vestibular migraine patients don't have abortive options, not really. Mm-hmm. And they were thrown by that. So these are people who are very, very well versed in migraine, but they don't have a complete um, understanding of what that experience is like. So educating the groups who are advocates and experts who are adjacent to vestibular migraine, I think is um, where we're starting and then bringing it to the mainstream public through channels like migraine again is, is the next step. I think, you know, knowing a lot of what happens with patients and, and once they hear the migraine word, a lot of times um, it, it kind of freaks them out a little bit in the sense that, you know, I don't have migraine, I have this dizziness. So I think it's pretty amazing the work that you all are doing to help them understand what that looks like and feels like and what that normal or that sense of normal with regard to that population is. Um, how do you keep your advice fresh and, and non-repetitive once you, you kind of dig in? Um, how do you keep those channels um, fluid and exciting? Yeah, I think uh, the, the good thing about this chapter in the history of migraine is there's so much new stuff on the horizon to talk about. So um, I don't feel like anything that we're sharing is stale. Um, you know, what our challenge is, is taking this new information in, making sure that it's grounded in the evidence, and also caveating it if there needs to be more research done. Um, For example, cannabis for migraine is an area that hasn't been well studied because we haven't been able to get the funding for it federally, um, but we're keeping our eye on it. So, um, you know, I think once you go beyond the the basic approach to how to um, lead a healthy style um, and live with migraine, um, there's just a lot of new material out there um, that people are hungry for. And like I said, um, I, I'm not sure that physicians always have access to all of it. So it, it's a true partnership getting that out to both patient and physicians so that they can partner together and make good decisions about um, healthcare. Well, as the dig- digital strategist for the medical-focused media, how do you determine the right balance of home remedy advice with telling people to get medical attention? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Honestly, we just have a huge disclaimer that we're not dispensing medical advice. We're not physicians, right? So um, we're not there to do that job. There are people who are qualified to do it, although we do have a shortage of um, headache specialists, specialists in the U.S. Um, and definitely a shortage of people who can address vestibular migraine. Um, so, you know, we encourage our readers to talk over any information they take in from migraine, again, with their health professional. And we're really here to empower people living with migraine with information and news, but always in partnership with their doctor. Um, I will say that we have some articles to help people think about though when it's time to um, stop with the home remedies and go back to their doctor and try something new or find a new doctor or specialist or try a specialty clinic because um, you really need to uh, partner with someone in the healthcare space to, to come up with a good treatment protocol. Um, we want to encourage people to not go it alone. So going back to your personal story, you said that you had some lifestyle changes and you took some additional supplements. Can you kind of go into detail about that? Yeah, with all the usual suspects, right? Like get enough sleep. If you have sleep disruption, that's just begging for a migraine. Um, hydration was a big thing for me moving to Southern California. Um, I just feel like I need to chug the water. Um, there's some stress reduction stuff that I honestly haven't been completely successful incorporating like, um, meditation. It's, it's, it's challenge for me, but I know other people who've benefited from it. And then on supplements, I will tell you, um, the ones, the big ones that, um, are evidence-based magnesium, B2, CoQ10. Um, I tried all of them and magnesium has been a real uh, winner for me and is uh, something that I continue to use. So those, those changes were all helpful. They, get, they raise your threshold for migraine, but um, I, eventually because I had turned chronic, I needed um, medication to break, break the cycle. You're really experts at storytelling. I think that's what really resonates with a lot of people. Um, what do you feel really are the stories that convince people to actually go in and get treatment? Well, there, there's two sides to this coin. Like the, the, the success stories are a powerful motivator that inspire people to act. They think, oh, if this works for someone else, maybe I don't have to live this way. And it drives people to go see their healthcare provider and gives them something, an example to speak to and talk about whether it could work for them. It also provides a sense of hope. If, uh, if you're kind of living in this debilitated world and you don't see any success stories, it can be very overwhelming. So we like to share um, success stories but also get the honest about people who are really going through it and maybe not um, quite having kind of step function uh, positive improvements. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, the other motivator, it's not a story, but it's people, people when they feel desperate, when migraine interferes with their uh, family life, social life, or their career, or they might have missed a pivotal moment in their child's development or been passed over for promotion, that's when they, they go to the, the, their physician. And um, what's so interesting to me is that a lot of people 
can really deal with this background headache and head pain and kind of muddle through, not really, really, really realizing that they have migraine. And it's not until the dizziness kicks in when they're completely debilitated and disoriented and, and frankly, very scared that they go in for healthcare. So vestibular migraine and the dizziness that patients experience breeds real desperation. Um, and unfortunately, patients don't get answers quickly and treatment they need to, to bounce back. Well, the, the Migraine World Summit is just around the corner. So is there going to be any programming about vestibular migraine this year? Not specifically about vestibular migraine, but uh, last year uh, in 2019, Dr. Michael Teixeira's talk, I really encourage folks to look it up and access it if, if they um, can make the investment because um, that's behind a paywall. But it was really wonderful. Um, and, you know, the way that talk came about was that the people in the vestibular migraine community voted it for it overwhelmingly as the number one topic that they wanted to be covered. I think, I think people who have VM are tired of being ignored and are hungry for information. So they made their voices heard and they can do it again this year at the end of the summit and say, look, we want a deeper dive on these particular talks, uh, or excuse me, subjects about vestibular migraine that relate to us. Um, so I would encourage anyone who wants that material to appear in the summit to vote at the end of this year's summit. But I will say this year, there's a number of talks that will be very helpful to someone living with vestibular migraine. Um, and some of the ones that I have my eye on are weather, food, and the truth about triggers, diet and nutrition, um, hormonal seasons in a woman's life, uh, migraine-related mood disorders, supplements and natural alternatives that's coming back and then cognition and aging well with migraine um, those are some great talks that'll be coming up during the migraine world summit which uh, runs from the 18th through the 26th of march and then where oh. how much is it when do you have to sign up by it's free what? It's, as long as you attend the the summit while it's running live march 18th through the 26th this is free this is the wonderful thing about it now we know people that. are busy uh -huh. and uh people don't have time to watch all the wonderful material that um airs on a given day so there's a 24 hour period um, maybe a little bit longer where you can access the talks from the previous day um, and then after um, the summit ends, it goes behind a paywall. But honestly, this resource is amazing. It changed my life and many of the other um, folks that I work with in the migraine community um, to really empower us to, to find new ways to treat and, and live with migraine. So anybody who wants access to these experts um, and these talks, sign up now and you'll get emails every day reminding you of what's on deck. All wait right, so no, yeah. Wait, I have more questions here. <laughs> <laughs> so completely free. They're not asking for donations. You don't have to apply for a subscription. Because even I thought, are we going to have to pay for this business? And that? No, I think, I mean, that's break it down for us. So if, if, I've, if I'm a patient. Where do I go? It, we, what do we do? If you're a patient, go to MigraineWorldSummit.com. There's a big box on the homepage that says register now. It'll give you all the details. And then while the summit's running from the 18th through the 26th, of March, you'll get daily emails letting you know what talks are going and what they're airing and when they become unavailable or go offline behind a paywall. 
Um, so at the end of the summit, um, if you want to spend a little more time, you'll, you'll have to pay and there's different pay packages that you can um, look at on the, uh, the website. But really, if you can take advantage of it while it's free, I encourage you to do it. It's very motivating. That's amazing. So just globally, what do you think is the most valuable piece of information for people suffering with migraine in your experience? What is step one? Whoa. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that question. Step, <laughs> yeah. I think step one is to know that you don't have to live like this. Yeah. You know, there's so many people who uh, are dealing with this and suffering and not seeking out treatment. Um, so um, I would encourage them to seek out resources like we talked about today, the summit, um, migraine again, but also to know that um, there are healthcare providers and physicians who have expertise in this area and can get you a, a plan that meets your needs and your particular case um, so that you can, what we like to call thrive um, and not just kind of survive uh, your, your experience in your life with migraine, um, because it's really about making the most of the time you have here and, and living with migraine is not easy. It's extremely difficult, but it can be a lot better as long as you take ownership over your, your health. I love it. So Megan, we're really grateful. I think this resource is just amazing for patients to have and, and getting on migraine again and, and just kind of digging around and seeing what resources are there. I think will will be one of the first steps for a lot of people to, to have hope and then, you know, be flooded hopefully with the resources that that provides. So we thank you so much for being on today. Um, where can patients find you? So what does it look like with migraine again, as far as Facebook, Instagram, any, any handles that you'd like for patients to have access to? Sure. At migraine again, it's as simple as that. Da, 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 da. Just come Easy. Find <laughs> Love yeah. it. Love it. Well, thank you so much. That's all for this episode. We're going to thank all of our listeners for hanging out with us. And remember, if you want to support what we do, just share and subscribe. We've got some wonderful resources for Dizzy patients. For more information, you can visit our website at dizzyandvertigo.com. Join us again next time when Deep in Dizziness offers important news, solutions, and advice to help those facing the challenges of dizziness, vertigo, and balance problems live a happier life. To reach Dr. Brooke Pierce and Dr. Chelsea Nava, call 310-954-2207 or visit them online at dizzyandvertigo.com.